I would love to come and uh, speak a word of encouragement, but I'm not here to speak a word of encouragement because that which I'm speaking to needs no encouragement. Come on now. Now I recognize that there is a human vessel sitting on a seat around here somewhere that's carrying a seed within them, and that human being probably came here to be encouraged. You may even be limping around and you might need some kind of healing. But I feel impressed in my spirit that I'm not here to minister to that person who needs help. But I'm called to minister to God himself. Because this morning, the spirit of the living God is desiring to hear the thing that he holds above his own name. And that is his word. And so I wish I had time to share about the human side of the adventures that we have shared and been frightened about and been reading about and been fascinated by and been asking God for prayer. But I don't have time to do that, at least at this moment, until the Spirit of the Lord says, okay, now I'm going to speak through that, and at that point, then I have no choice. And so the only thing that I really want to share it has to do with today's Torah portion. And today's Torah portion has to do with the offerings you bring of yourself and you bring an offering. And in, particularly, in particular, I feel impressed to speak about the grain offering because there's something about grain, there's something about bread, there's something about that whole section of bread that, that is very significant to every single one of us because although we are lambs, although we are many different things that God has said, we could be His people, we could be uh, grafted in, we could, there's many words to describe who we are, but above all things, there is something that we are that's within us that is very significant to bread because 2,000 years ago, the rabbi of all rabbis was in the business of chopping down his congregation where there was 80 who were willing to listen and to do and to cast out demons as he taught them. He said, there's way too many guys over here. So uh, he said something that really offended people and didn't seem to follow the Torah at all when he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no place in me. And everybody took off. And you know, today we would say, gee, what did I say? What did I say? He knew exactly what he was saying. He needed to chop things down. He needed to trim back because he is the one who understands how seed works. And sometimes you plant a thing and you're wondering why it's it's not producing fruit and it's because it's time to chop it down and cut it back. When you leave this thing cut down to where there's almost nothing left, all of a sudden the season comes and there's so much fruit you don't even know what to do with it. 
And I feel impressed to speak about seed because at the end of the day, that thing that we have learned to do uh, from year to year on Passover, which is coming very soon, which is eating the bread. It is imperative that we understand and go back to the Word and begin to understand, okay, what does this mean? How does this relate to me? Well, it doesn't relate to you at all. This isn't about you at all. It's about the one who lives in you. Just like you have no call, you have no call, you have no call. He has the call. And it is in you. Religion does an amazing job at showing you what you've done wrong and what you need to do. Or what you're not doing or what you should do. And the kingdom of heaven shows up and says, if you're tired and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And many of us, when we come into the kingdom, when we, we're awakened to that, and for the first time, we see and experience that rest, and we're blessed by that. And then shortly after that, information and all this knowledge and all this doctrine starts coming to you, and all of a sudden, you find yourself needing rest from the supposed rest you're supposed to enter, because now you need rest from religion. Some of you never even explained what it's like to come to me when you're tired and heavy laden. I will give you rest because you were born into a home where people were already experiencing some kind of religious connection with God. So you never experienced what it's like to be outside of the kingdom and come into the kingdom. That time is coming because God will not allow you to, to, to bypass the reality of what it's like to be far off and then be returned back to Him. But I want to speak about the seeds. Because without seed, you cannot have grain. Without grain, you cannot have bread. And I, 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 my goodness, there's so much that could be said about today's store portion and seed and how that all works. And I'm going to speak a little bit about it, but, but there's something greater and much more important that needs to be awakened in God's children when they understand this thing about seed. Mm -hmm. You see that, that if you read through the section of the offering of the grain offering, you begin to see a pattern in all of them. It, it, it doesn't just say if you bring a, a grain offering, bring it this way, and then it should really be just one verse in our understanding. But it repeats itself over and over and over and over and over and over. You bring it in a pan, you can bring it roasted, you can bring it in, in, a, in a pot, you can bring it all kinds of crazy old ways. But one thing that's very peculiar about the way that it has to come, although there are many different ways that you can bring it, it all repeats the same way. It must be a fine flour. And it has to have no yeast. And it has to have oil olive oil mingled within it and it has to have olive oil sprinkled on top of it and it has to come with salt and it has to come with incense frankincense now there's all these ways to bring that but the pattern the recipe is the same and very simply put that you may be able to understand, it's kind of simple. Why fine flour? It's like a duh moment. You can only get uh, fine flour once you get grounded up into nothing. 
grinding and 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 grinding. And how does flour get grounded? By the way, you never ground down one piece of wheat. You get a bunch of pieces of wheat together and then you ground them up together. So if your brother and your sister is like aggravating the heck out of you, don't be angry with them. Don't ask God what's wrong with them. God is the one who placed you next to them and he's the rock on top of you, grinding you together until there is nothing between you and them other than fine flour. You see, it says somewhere the saints don't know how to pray. We're praying, oh Lord, help my sister. Oh Lord, help my brother. Oh, the congregation would be so nice if this brother didn't show up. He always distracts me. You're meant to be distracted. Because if you are being distracted, it shows that the one who is inside of you has not matured yet to the point where nothing exactly. distracts him. Yes. You see, we in our humanists can go looking for the right congregation to be in. I'm going to tell you right now, this is the wrong one to be in. If you're a human trying to figure out a nice place to be. This is a place where you come to die. This is a place where you can enter in and say, Well, I thought these guys were Jews. Why do they have crosses? One of these days we'll put up swastikas. Because you need to be in the presence of everything that would cause your humanness to be, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And all of a sudden you begin to say, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Right. How amazing that the one who knew no sin, the one who was perfect, the one who was holy, didn't have a, oh my God, oh my God moment when it came into your life and to that putrid place which is your heart. And when I say you, I'm talking about myself. Because I'm sitting down here listening to this message and I don't agree with most of it anyway. But it's not my problem. It's God's will that we are transformed and that we're changed. So understand that when you say, well, you well, you don't do that here because the missing congregation is allowed to you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, you know, if I was a Baptist, I wouldn't, you know, think nothing about the old uh, things that you got to bring to the Lord, but that's some, that's shadows of the past. Let me tell you something, there are no shadows of the past. The past is about to be understood in the present age. You see the Torah, the Torah. Is Yeshua concealed? Yeah. Yeshua is the Torah revealed. <laughs> They're the same. God didn't suddenly come up with a new idea. The circumcision of the heart was mentioned long before the act. And so it is important at this age, being that you are the generation of the kings and priests, that you begin to understand the meaning and the purpose for these old ways. For you are the generation in which these old ways will be fulfilled. <laughs> and Moses himself this day is sitting in here at the edge of his seat saying, I can't wait to hear this because I done did all this crazy stuff. I never made it into the promised land and I got to understand. What there was a murmuring that happened when I walked in this morning and I heard whispers, that's him, that's him. <laughs> I was looking around, where did he go? What, what happened? And it 
it's amazing because <laughs> if you, why? Because there's, there's something, something has been said, something has been expressed, something has happened that would cause someone to, to, to someone's heart to leap or, or to be excited because they saw this vessel walk into this place. I tell you, as I was hearing that, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart and said, get used to this because every single one of you in this generation will hear that when you enter, when you enter into the cloud of witnesses, the saints of old that you think are the greatest people, they're waiting and waiting to say, this is the generation that manifested the glory of God. And who can take credit for that? Where, where? Where, where can you find that little grain of wheat once you have been turned into fine flour? Where is it? Where is your brother? Where is your sister? Where are your tormentors? Where are those who are against you? Where are they all? Oh, this just started. Because after you've been ground up into power, fine, interesting. He doesn't say flour. He says fine flour, which means that have you ever felt like a, a what's it corn corn flour or whatever? It's got like great gritty stuff on it. It means that God, this is if there's still anything left, I'm gonna put you back in there and ground you again until there's nothing but fine flour. <laughs> then. He takes oil and it's put inside. And you know, you don't have to be a great Bible scholar to understand that simply means that once you have allowed the process to take place and you've allowed God to grind you down to fine flour, at that point, the anointing comes, the oil comes. You know, which wants so much the oil to come outside of the grinding of the flour. It will not come until you allow him to grind things down. Get on your last nerve. I once said, you know, God is going to find all your buttons and keep plugging at them until they don't work. No more! <laughs> so don't think there's something wrong with somebody or anything. God is saying, I, what? 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 Did you, did, what did you say about my mama? <laughs> Whatever it is! Oh, that's the one. Your mama, 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 your mama. Ah, your mama, glory, your mama. Your mama's so fat. What? Oh, Lord. Oh. All right, here we go. The South is coming out now, but it's okay. God is going to grind it down until there's nothing left. Zen. There's the flour that is mingled with the oil. The oil is within and the oil is above. And it's just, and again, another simple thing. It's the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that the anointing of God goes within your heart, inside of you. And it gets sprinkled all over you. So, so you not only are, are filled with Him, but you receive an anointing that comes from above. And then, outside, outside of that, there is no yeast. Okay, that's an, another no-dumb moment. Okay, you can't puff yourself up. That's all he's saying. You know, when you come to bring yourself as this offering, it, it's not as a puffed-up thing. That's kind of like a no-duh, no right? Okay, we got that. But then he says something that's not quite so no-duh. It's and no honey. I 
don't know if you've ever asked, but I encourage you to ask. When you read the scriptures, I encourage you to say, God, this makes no sense. Explain it to me. It makes no sense. This is dumb. <laughs> oh, how can you talk to God like that? Are you kidding me? Well, how can you properly speak to God? You ever see babies talking to their parents? When they're hungry? Do <laughs> you have any idea how many words they're saying that we don't understand because we don't know the language? But I don't think it's good words because they're, they're mad. Yeah, yeah. That's how God hears us. Dear Lord, dear Lord. Oh my God, oh my God! He hears us because he's our dad. And he recognizes the sound of our voice. So ask him, what does this mean? What does this mean? I thought we were going to the land of milk and honey. Why can't you burn the honey? Oh, no. I don't get it. Well, you do a little bit of a research on... Well, what is honey? And how does it come about? Blah, blah, blah. And you realize there's, there's sugar, and sugar is extracted from things. You have to go through a process to get sugar out of cane, sugar cane, and other things. Honey is this naturally sweet thing. It's naturally sweet. No one has to do anything. And God is simply saying, "Don't come to my altar with your naturally sweet self, thinking everything's going to be okay." I'm not interested. Not interested in how nice you are, because some people actually have a very nice way about them. God is not interested in how nice you are. He's interested in an offering that has nothing to do with who we are, but everything to do with who he is. And then the last thing is the salt. That's another one of those no-brainers. You use salt to preserve things. So we are the salt of the earth. We're on the earth, so the earth won't get rotten. That's all it is. <laughs> And that's why everyone's like, well, I want to get out of this world. Well, then the world's going to get rotten. you got to stay in. You're not of it, but you are in it. And that is a little bit of the, 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 the Torah portion about this offering, so that we may understand a little bit. This is not just like some crazy stuff that Ananias is saying. There's some things about it that, refer, that have to do with us, but the us which is from above and not the us that is from below. But there is something much more powerful and such a, something much more unique about this. And, and, and that brings me to Yeshua in the Sea of Galilee, I think it was. And he begins to tell a story. And he says, a sower goes and he takes seed and he casts it out. And some seed falls in hard ground. And the uh, birds come and snatch it up. Some seed falls in rocky soil, and it sprouts up real quick, but having no root when trouble scum or whatever, it just falls right over. And then some seed falls in briars, pricker bushes. And the troubles of this world choke it up, and it dies. And yet some seed lands in fertile ground and it produces 160 and 30 fold. And everyone is like, 
And the disciples are like, like they know what he's talking about. And then everybody leaves and they go into the boat or whatever they do, and the disciples say to him, Lord, what the heck are you talking about? I mean, the people came. They would have heard. I mean, they would have listened. I mean, you're missing out the opportunity of a lifetime. What is going on? Why are you talking like in crazy rhythms? And Yeshua says to them, well, to you it has been given to explain the things of the kingdom. But to them, that has not been given so that prophecy of Isaiah could be fulfilled. They have ears, but they cannot understand or hear. Eyes, they cannot see or perceive. A heart, but it's hard. And then he explains to them. He explains to them what the parable means. And he says to them, you know, the sower comes and he throws the seed. And the seed is the word of God. And some lands on the path. And uh, the enemy comes and snatches it. And those are people who have a hard heart. Yeshua begins to explain to them. These are people who have a hard heart. Now, I've heard this explained so many times in church and through my life. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, oh, man, I'm so screwed because my heart is kind of hard. <laughs> you know? And you hear this and you think this is about you, but God wants you to understand this from the perspective of the kingdom of heaven that has nothing to do with the hardness of the heart. Where are we going with this? You see, he's explaining something to them, but Yeshua is a master explaining things so that you understand it in the natural, so that he can flip it on you on the spiritual, and you say, what the heck just happened? Just like when he said, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. He's not saying it's impossible, just saying you're going to squeeze a camel through an eye of a needle first, and they couldn't understand. What does that mean? How is that even possible? And then he says, with men this is impossible, but with God... Camels go through the eye of the needle all the time. <laughs> and so do rich people. It just, it's just kind of hard to push them through. <laughs> exactly. He's not saying it's impossible. He's saying with men it's impossible. But with God, the whole issue is with God. Because if going through the eye of the needle was easy, then you would not need God to do this thing. So when Yeshua is telling them about the parable, I want you to understand, he wants you to see it, and there's two ways you can look at it. You can see it from a human point of view, which is, oh yeah, heart, heart, that's my aunt, that's my aunt right there. I've been telling her the word all this time, she got a heart, heart, she's not getting it, she ain't getting it. The man and knees coming like a ribbon, snatching it up, just like that. <laughs> see, we begin to see things in people and we think God is talking about them but God wants to open our understanding from a divine point of view that we may understand that what he's talking about is far more powerful and greater than the attributes of the heart he explains that's a hard heart the thing bounces off of it no fruit comes from it that he explains that the, 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 the seed that falls on the stony ground represents people who have a heart that receives the word immediately. But having no substance within them, that the, the roots quickly grow, but they don't have anything to hold on to. And then the wind comes or troubles come, and without any substance, without any ability to anchor themselves down, they fall over and die. And it describes who these people are. And in our lives, we know these people. It's always somebody else. It's never you. I get it. But we know these people. 
Why is Bill so hard hearted? What the heck is wrong with him? And then Yeshua continues and he says, those uh, seeds that fall in, in, in soil, but then, but then the thorns come up. That's seed that falls into the heart of people. And they take it gladly. They're excited about it. They're all with it. They actually allow the roots to grow. Everything is going. There's a possibility for great fruit to come out of that little heart that has that seed. But suddenly, the cares of this world, worries, like, 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 not weeds, like thorns, choke it, and it withers away and dies. And the seed that falls in good soil is the hearts of people who have an open heart to receive the word, and some produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. <laughs> And you see, if you hear that and you read that and you perceive that from a human point of view, then it means that salvation is based on your heart. And I ask you this question today. How many of you have formed and shaped your own heart? Right. Who? Who? Who has? Have you lived the life of that brother and sister who has a hard heart? Do you have any idea why they are the way they are? Do you have any idea why someone has a stony heart? Do you have any idea why someone has worries and cares of this world tormenting them all the time? Are you in their life to see what they're going through? It's easy to say to someone, come on, brother, come on, sister, you need to have faith. You need to rest in the Lord. It's easy to say, but are you in their life? Have you experienced what they have experienced? Have you been violent? Violated like they were violated and that's why they don't trust anyone because they had placed their trust on people that God had placed there to take care of them but instead those people took advantage of them were you there to experience that have you been so beaten and beaten and beaten and stepped and grounded and stepped and stomped and stomped so many times that now your heart cannot possibly receive anything because you couldn't possibly allow yourself to be chopped up again and again and again and again. Have you been there? Have you experienced that? That you could judge someone as to how their heart is. A brief little clip I saw recently that just really moved my heart. It says how, how, how two words, how two words from a child can change the barking of a drill sergeant. There's a, a, a show you may have seen it, where there's a young little boy, and I guess he's like, he's like a little terror, doesn't obey his mother or whatever, gives everybody a hard time. And so they have a show where it's kind of like a, a scared straight thing, where someone comes and puts this kid on his place, and his drill sergeant, you know, like really bully kind of a guy, he comes up to him with his hat, and he's like putting his hat like on the kid's face, and he's pointing at him, and, and he's spilling all kinds of stuff. That's your mama right there. You need to take care of her. You need to respect her. You need to be this, be that, be that. He's just yelling at the kid, and the kid's just standing there, and he looks at him and he goes, you want me to be your father for the next 18 years of your life, boy? And the little child just said, yes, sir, yes, sir. And then, and then he was like, what? what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? And he says, because I don't have a dad. You see, it's easy to recognize why seed can grow and why it cannot grow. But the problem is this. Who among us has the ability to transform our heart? Even if you understood 
how your heart is supposed to be. This story is never about the human condition. What Yeshua was doing simply saying, let me explain to you in terms that you would understand from a human point of view that I may show you the difference between the holy seed and the heart. And in the end, the holy seed is going to win. Right. Because there was a path that was harder than any other path in the land of Israel. That path was entering in into the city of Jerusalem where everybody would come with their luggage, with their things, and they packed that thing so down, that thing was solid. And on that hard path, that seed walked through and came on a donkey. And in that path that nothing is supposed to grow over, they were crying, Baruch Ababa Shemar and I, blessed is he who comes into the name of the Lord. He was saying to them, with men this is impossible, but this seed can go into hard ground and glory will come out of it. He's the one who was placed around people who had stones in their hands. He's saying to us, watch what happens, watch what happens when you put this seed near the stones. And all the stones fell to the ground when he said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He's saying, yes, I'm saying that in a human understanding, humans can't do this, but I am the seed that will rise out of a packed ground and a hard heart. I am the seed that will bring glory and a prostitute will be whole out of a place where people have rocks. The throw at her. Everything he's describing to them about what, where seed can't grow, he's saying normal seed can't grow, but this ain't normal. This is something that's out of this world. Ultimately, what an amazing thing. You say, oh, why did they put a crown of thorns on my Lord? Don't you understand? The thorns had to be there because the seed had to show. Did I not tell you about the thorns? Did I not tell you about the thorns? And the thorns wrapped his head around and he looked up and he said, Father, forgive them. They know Woohoo! He was saying to them, you can put me on hard ground. You can put me in the rocks. You can put me surrounded by thorns and I'll rise up and glorify my God. And nothing, nothing can stop this thing. Even the part of the parable where he said, you know, the enemy will come and snatch it. <laughs> he did. He snatched him up. Brought him to a wilderness. Brought him up to the top of a mountain. Brought him to the hills to see. Look at the kingdoms of the world. The enemy can pick him up. He can chew him up. I'm going to tell you, he can go up his behind, down his throat, out his ears. And at the end of the day, no matter where the sea goes, he will rise victorious. And so, ultimately... Having placed, been placed in one of the only places where seed is impossible to grow. A rock moved out of the way. So that the incorruptible seed could step outside. And proof. As my Father has sent me, 
he sends his word, and he will not allow the word to return to him for That seed, that seed is planted inside of you. You are the one with the hard heart, the thorns and the stones. But I'm here to let you know, I have not been placed in this earth to talk in ways that show what humans are or what they're not. I'm here to declare that there is a seed that's incorruptible, unstoppable. Nothing can stop it. He will go where he wills. And he will accomplish that which he was sent to accomplish. And no one can stop it. Well, you gotta do your part. Die. <laughs> it, it always, you got, I'm telling you, may God put up little, like, Flares of alarm. Every time you are glorifying in the power of God and somebody comes out and says, but what about what Jesus has done to me? What am I doing for him? <laughs> Every single time you watch when, you, when you're giving glory to the awesomeness of God. Someone comes around and reminds you, well, I hate to be the devil's advocate here, but you gotta do something. Die. <laughs> because this is not about us. It's about him. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We're traveling, and most of you may know we have a, a, to a Taurus roll on the V birth of the boat as we travel. As we were going, I had told my older son, Andre, make sure you stay on this course till 10 o'clock. After 10 o'clock in the morning, we're going to look for a place to, uh, to anchor or to stop for some, some food and some things. I was very tired. I went to sleep. He wakes me up at 10. Dad, surprise. I'm like, yeah, well, what's going on? We're almost there. I'm like, all right. I looked at the time, it was 7 o'clock, and I just about dropped this water me. That's impossible. We could not possibly be at a place where we can anchor or stop or pull over anywhere at 7. We have to be on this course at least for three more hours. Where are we? And it says, look at that. Look at it. It's shallow over here, and there's places we can go with the boat. And I zoom in closer on the plot chatter, and the plot chatter says, warning, 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 do not navigate a vessel in this area due to shifting tides, none of the depths you have in your chart plotter are accurate. And there's like boats sunk under there, and you can see them on the chart plotter, like wrecked boat, wrecked boat, wrecked boat. So this, this is one of those, <laughs> it's one of those moments. So he goes to sleep, and I'm trying to figure out a way to navigate in a jigsaw puzzle-like way to get out of there. 
and I'm looking and I'm going towards 20 feet of depth. Over here is like three feet, over here there's one foot, and over here is 20 feet. So I go towards the 20 feet, and the boat hits ground, boom. So now where do I go? If 20 feet is hitting ground, do I, how, how do I go? There's an intense fog completely surrounding us we can't see. The bow gets picked up by a wave and gets put on its side on some kind of sand thing there. And we're sideways with a 20,000 pound bow, sideways with fog. I'm looking at the chart water and we're not moving. The GPS does not know in which direction you're going, so it's pointing in any direction. So I don't know where north, south, east, or west. Someone says, well, didn't you link it to your compass? You weren't there! You don't understand! The whole thing was moving and shaking. I couldn't tell north from south. I couldn't tell anything. All I could tell is that another wave was coming and slamming us and picking us up and spinning us around and dropping us again sideways somewhere else. Lisa's downstairs thinking, if I just sleep through this, it'll all end. And a big giant wave comes in through the back hatch and goes in, so we think we're all dead. And I have no ability of my own to get out of that situation. But something, something just, sometimes there is like a knowing. And I knew, Father, that we have your word. This thing is unstoppable. We could flip upside down. We could go inside out. We could go right down to the bottom of the ocean. If you, you said that you're going to send this thing and bring it to Haiti, it's going to get there somehow. And I just aimed the boat in a direct, straight line. And I bounced and bounced and bounced and bounced. And I stopped trying to get out. I just aimed it in a straight line. And before you know it, the mass went up straight. And we're in deep water. <coughs> we eventually get down to Steen Hatch, Florida. I'm thinking we'll be here for a short period of time to repair these things and go to, 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 to Haiti. And uh, pretty much all Baptists down there. <laughs> and, uh, and it's Sunday, and Captain wants me to go over to this little church. And we're singing there, and they had, so they had two hymns. They, they showed, I mean, it was, you know, bringing in the sheaves. <laughs> it was beautiful. You know, I, 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 I play with it, but, it, you, know, it's, it's, you know, it's their expression of how they love God. You know, blessed is servants, Jesus is mine. I, I get it. You know? You shoot inside of me, he's looking at me, oh, they're singing about me again. Wow, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> you gotta get the revelation of that, but it's kind of like a crazy thing. Because the Spirit of the Lord is within you, hearing what is being said about him. So there I am. And I am really out of my element because the captain says to me before we went, I had my boaches, he says, Captain, now you want to put on these before you go into the church? And he gives me these snake cowboy boots. <laughs> so I, and... Ringing in the sheets, ringing in the sheets. It's rough. It's really rough. And I'm out there, I'm just doing the best I can. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, like this is insane. I couldn't possibly ever ever come here and share anything with anybody. That would be, oh my God, it's just like such a night and day. I know they're my brothers, I, I get it. It's just such a night and day, right? Now all of a sudden we're sitting down and the pastor gets up and he goes, Brother Beetle! <laughs> Captain's last name is Beetle, but they don't know how to say that down south, so they call him Beetle. Brother Beetle! 
So I get up, and Lisa gets up, and the boys get up. More plans, you brother. They all It's hard down there. You gotta be careful when you tell them you come from the north because they still think the war is going on, and they see you at one of them Yankees. They just saw the Macho Man going, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
But I'm just saying it's, it's not normal to have that kind of a freedom and, and people with cowboy boots, you know, jumping around, glory. Not normal to see that. But in the end of that, the pastor was asking, is there anyone who needs prayer? There's a long prayer line. Anyone who needs prayer? There's a long prayer line. Anyone who needs prayer? And then it was quiet, and I was thinking to myself, hold on. <laughs> we done ended on a good note. Let's get in the car and get out of here. <laughs> because let good, good well enough stay. <laughs> this is good. Leave it alone. <laughs> and the pastor kept asking, is there anyone who has a prayer request in here? Is there anyone who has a prayer request here? All of a sudden, my heart filled up. And I saw and felt the heart of God who had just passed by a street with three different Baptist churches. They're all Baptist, but they're all a little different than one another, and each one is right, more right than the other. And they're all in walking distance. And I felt the heart of God look at his people, and look at his body. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, isn't this interesting, that the people who proclaim to be of Messiah have done more to chop up the body of Messiah than the Romans and the Jews did 2,000 years ago. Because nobody cut them up. They just beat them up real bad. My body is severed at this time by the people who claim to be mine. And in my heart, I felt God say, I have a prescription. I have a request. I have a request. And it broke my heart because the people came with their requests to God and I'm sitting there and I heard God say, I have a prayer request. And I raised up my hand and I said, I have a prayer request. And everyone kind of looked at me. And I said, you've all been coming here every Sunday and you already know what the service is like because it's going to be the same way it was before. You know what? I know we're a little different in the natural, but you guys are our brothers, and we love you. And we just decided to cancel our service to come here and encourage yours and bless you. As I was saying that, I knew it wasn't coming from me. And the people welled up with tears. And then I had another one of those Yeshua uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> it's all fun and games until, until, he, shows up. until he opens up his mouth and starts poking at it. And then a pastor looked at me, came up to me, and goes, Well, Brother Rabbit, I gotta say, I do disagree with you because anybody who does not see the way we see it, they're enemies of the cross. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, Do you want to talk about enemies of the cross? My people were not only enemies of the cross, but they were enemies of the King of Glory. And that's where he spent all his time. So if you know people who are enemies of the cross, they need to see the love of God more than anybody else. 
And it was funny because you could see the congregation looking at me. And I looked at Captain Raymond and said, Captain, get me out of here. And as I'm getting out, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say to my heart, the damage is done. The damage is done. Because it doesn't matter if only one soul in there allows the incorruptible seed to rise up inside of them, that they will not understand barriers or divisions. And maybe just one person will go to another little congregation just to tell them, listen, I'm here to encourage you, to bless you, and to tell you that you're children of God, and I can't wait for us to be dancing together for the glory of God. So let this thing, let this thing rise up inside of you. Sometimes you don't realize how precious something is until it's kind of pulled away a little bit. And you have no idea how precious you are. So you get used to one another. And you become accustomed to one another. I pray that that will break. You know, we sing songs about he's going to break every chain. And we all know what these chains are, you know. But there are chains we don't even know exist. Mm -hmm. And until you truly see the face of God and your brothers and your sisters, you have a chain. There is a chain. You're not seeing. You're not recognizing. You're not recognizing the house of God. <clears throat> Y'all have a good Shabbat, man. <laughs> Be blessed. Love one another. Be patient with one another. Don't look for the right congregation. There's no such thing. The place that is most tormenting is the place that God is going to make the bread sooner. You're being ground up like a key gets ground up until the key opens the same doors that the master key opens. Don't you see? It's the same process. God is, is doing these things. Be patient. Love one another. Love one another. And whenever you see anyone of you discouraged because you're not doing enough for God, just hug them and love them. And say His love is unconditional. He has a moment and a time. He's going to rise up at the right time and at the right moment. It's his work. I don't have a heaven to, 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 to bring you to or hell. To, 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 I don't, it's not mine. It's his. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Love one another. Love one another. Be patient, endure. God is working things that are beyond our understanding. And I think the action that's um, speaking uh, to me from my rabbi is to replace those crosses with swastikas. <laughs> <laughs> Until 
the spirit of offense is crushed so much that nothing, nothing will offend us within the body of Messiah anymore. As odd as it seems, there are those that are offended by crosses. I was there, I was the one that was offended by it when I first came into Messianic Judaism. Because I didn't want any sort of Christian symbols. There are those who come out of the church that are offended by things of the church. Adonai is looking to crush that. If you're offended by crosses, if you're offended by things of the church, go there next Shabbat right. and stick it out until that offense is ground down yes. so you can be one fine flower with them as well. The Lord is going to do this thing and it is necessary for where he's going to bring us to out there. The swastik ain't gonna be nothing compared to how he seems and where he's going to bring us to. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There is somebody here that is offended by the cross. Stick it out. Take a picture of it, bring it home. I would give it to you if it was mine to give, but I can't. The best I can do is take a picture of it and give it to you. Hang it on your cubicle wall at work until the spirit of offense dies. Come on now. Thank you, Father. It is one of the last things that's going to go is that spirit of offense because that is going to be that needs to go for the Lord to bring us to places. If that doesn't go, all we do is go to places where people are just like us. There's no fruit in that. There's no fruit in a, in a congregation where you sit in the in the in the in the seats like this. There's no fruit in the congregation where you just agree wholeheartedly with everything that comes out. That's why Yeshua spoke in parables. That's why Yeshua spoke in terms that are so challenging for us to hear and understand. Even so challenging, people just left and said, the Spirit of the Lord must have left that guy. Because he's not speaking truth. He's a wacko. Baruch Hashem. Stick it out. We'll meet next week in a mosque. <laughs> Pictures of Bin Laden on the wall. <laughs> the tower's coming down. Our patriotism's getting all offended. Baruch Hashem! Stick it out! 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 Out. I'll tell you what happened last week. There was a little addiction counseling going on downstairs. Some of you may have remembered it. These two Yeshuas come walking up to go to the bathroom. And the Spirit of the Lord, Lord rose up in me to bring them here and to, and to do a little Torah procession with them. And they were like, okay, this was cool. Off we go back down to our addiction counseling. And everybody's like, oh, how cute. <laughs> oh, we're blessing the broken people, aren't we good people? Hallelujah! That was very Yeshua-like, wasn't it? Until they come back next week, 
still struggling with addiction. And then we're like, let's just do it again. Who has a talit to put over them this week? Who wants to be the holy one to put a talit over them this week? Ah, uh, that was great. Great, great, great. Thank you, Adonai, for moving. And then they come back next week still addicted. Well, why isn't God healing them? Never mind that. I'm going to continue to bless them. So we bless them. Next week, still addicted. Mm. What is wrong with them? Why aren't they receiving the healing? What's wrong with them? Why aren't they receiving the healing? Next week, next year, they're still addicted. Well, I've prayed enough for that situation. And the same one that we were so happy about and thought we were all so freaking special for putting a talit over a broken vessel because we did not know them. Once we know them and God is still working on them in his timing and they're not yet healed according to our perfect timing, then all of a sudden we're like, okay, there's something wrong here. God is looking to break us of taking over his timing. Because God is above time, we think we own time. Because we're here, and now we're here, and we were there a second ago, I understand that. So okay, so time is something that in the natural world, we kind of get that. But God is above all that, he's supernatural. He's not natural. It's just not natural. He's supernatural. And he's supernaturally above time. So God is looking to break our spirit of offense when there's a vessel who's not healed according to our human perception and our human perfect timing. And that is also necessary for where he's bringing us. Oh, it's easy. Sue and I used to travel to places all the time with music. We go there, we bless, and we leave. And we have no idea what happened there week after week after week. And how easy it is when you don't know the individual to just bless and leave. But God is not one to bless and leave. God's one to bless patiently. With eternal patience and eternal love. He's the one who sticks it out with us. He's the one who sticks it out with us. <laughs> Help the scouts! Help the scouts! <laughs> He's the one who sticks it out with us. And for placing those crosses with a swastika is what we have to do. So that spirit of offense dies for once and for all within the body of Messiah, so be it. We'll have to do I'll be getting a call from Pastor Pryor. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you receive these words in your spirit? You still may in your head be going, yeah, but that doesn't count because of this person. He's been dealing with this thing for years. I'm tired of it. 
Receive it in your spirit. Adonai is eternally patient with you and with me.